Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Mornings are hard. Your sports radio show doesn't have to be. I'm so happy you guys are still alive. I am excited. I am so happy. Laugh and learn every morning aboard the mothership. Gonna be a good day with DA. Hey, da. I do love the da. Happy being alive day. Mornings on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah. 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 Happy being alive day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Good Monday to you. Coming up this hour here on the show, it's fatherhood at the movies. As you know, I've been. Up late at night for feedings and burpings and diaper changes and looking to watch some watch some movies on some streaming apps over the course of the last few weeks. And so I'm breaking down the movies I've been forced to endure over the course of these late nights. We'll do with the second episode of Fatherhood of the Movies coming up in 20 minutes, also in 40 minutes. How about Joe Montana, Joe Cool, turning 67 years old? Tonight is game five of the NBA Finals. A chance for the Heat to close things out. A chance for the Nuggets, rather, to close things out. They're up three games to one after going to Miami and getting both games down in Miami. And there was a halftime bit during these games that went a little too far. Conor McGregor during halftime of game four, took on Bernie, the Heat mascot, B-U-R-N-I-E. So Bernie's this kind of anthropomorphic flame guy, and he comes out in a boxing robe, and he's got boxing gloves on, and here's Conor McGregor. And so they size each other up. Bernie's got his corner ready to go. They size each other up. They, they ding the bell, they ring the bell, and here they go. And as they look at one another, Connor throws a haymaker to the head of Bernie, and Bernie falls right down, drops him like a bag of rocks. Bernie falls to the floor. And then as Connor is looking over him, he then gets on top of him and finishes him off by punching him directly in the nose. Now, Bernie's head, of course, encased by a mascot head outfit, is against the back of the the floor. 
Bernie is clearly out and is dragged off of the floor by his corner team. Conor McGregor claims victory. This happened at halftime of game four. Turns out that the guy who plays Bernie was taken to a nearby emergency room for treatment. Luckily, no concussion, but given pain medicine, sent home, doing well, will not miss time. Now, I don't know what that means about not missing time. He's not going to travel to Denver, so I guess that just means he wouldn't miss a potential game six if we get to a game six. But Spolstra said, this is what we're talking about, heart of the heat. This is heat culture. He's not going to miss any time. Heat (laughs) toughness. Now, I have been on record as saying mascots are here for our enjoyment, and that means kicking them in the groin, punching them in the face, dropping them off the side of a building or something. All is fair. That That's what mascots are for. If they're going to be these crazy, googly-eyed, bizarre things, entities, and they're going to be tackling other mascots or... They should, they're there for physical humor. They're like John Ritter and Three's Company. They're like Jim Carrey. They, they should be, they're Wiley Coyote. Pain is part of this. But even I think that this was a little too far. I mean, first, when you engage in battle with Conor McGregor, you kind of know that it's a little bit more serious than just battling. Tony from Fort Lauderdale at halftime. You know, you kind of know that Conor McGregor is probably going to be a little bit more dangerous, but you've got to tell Conor you can't, there's no kill shots available. And I think Conor, I mean, his, his punch obviously really packs a wallop. I think the first punch really stunned Bernie. It wouldn't surprise me if there was a minor concussion underneath that costume. I mean, that cross that he gets is a serious punch he takes. But then when he's on the ground and Connor punches down onto to the mascot's nose and the back of his head is against the floor, that's where real serious injuries can happen. And that's where I think Connor went too far. You drop him, that's one thing. His head's on the floor. You don't need to then go for the kill shot. So I do think Conor McGregor went a little too far. Again, might come with the territory. You want this bit. You want this halftime show. You want people to get a a laugh out of it. At the same time, Conor needs to know, hey, man, you can really hurt this guy underneath when his head is prone on hardwood. Don't throw a kill shot. My other concern here would be, what are the Heat doing? They are lining up their own mascot in the middle of an NBA Finals game, which is almost a must-win. It's certainly a gotta-gotta-have-it. And they're lining them up to lose. There's no way Bernie wins that bout. So what are they doing? They're putting their own mascot of the crosshairs to lose in embarrassing fashion during the NBA Finals. I think it sends a really bad message. You know, Ridley has his finger the pulse of everything, and they've got all these glue guys, all these heat culture guys, never say die attitude, toughness, do what's right for the team, you can't take them out, what have you. And at the same time, you've got Tyler Hero being held out of games by the medical team when he's ready to go, at least in practice, and Bernie's taking on Conor McGregor in basically a sacrificial lamb battle during game four of the NBA Finals. These are bad decisions. 
You have to have Bernie in some type of victorious position. Let him take on a baby that wins the baby race. Let him take on another mascot that he can defeat. You know, you should not put him in a situation where he's going to lose and then have to be sent to the emergency room. It sent a bad message. It's probably why the Heat lost game four and why they're going to lose game five as well. Whereas I just did not like strategically this decision in the middle of the NBA Finals. So, again, I don't know why, if that's why they're going to lose. Maybe Duncan Robinson could hit a few more shots and not necessarily worry about the mascot fighting Conor McGregor. Uh, but I'm with you. You need the Heat mascot to be victorious to send the message to the team that you know anything can be done. He beats McGregor. If McGregor's not willing to do that, he's not welcome on the court. But, D.A., this is really not much different than Jamal Adams leveling Pat the Patriot. And basically, you stood up and gave Jamal Adams a standing ovation, which just shows that the Patriot hate is different than the hate for other teams for you, man. This is it's a, That's an NFL hard-hitting safety that drilled Pat the Patriot. It's no different than McGregor knocking out this guy. I think it's a little different because you and I could get tackled by Jamal Adams and we wouldn't have to go to the ER. But if we got punched in the head twice by Conor McGregor, we would definitely have well, to go to the ER. Hold on. That Pat the Patriot did go to the ER. Remember, he got medical attention. And the difference was that was unexpected. He was just walking around waving to the crowd, and Jamal Adams ran up and leveled him like a safety. At least Bernie here squared up and knew there was a chance he was going to get punched. He was in a ring, so to speak, with Conor McGregor. I would rather be knowingly punched by Conor McGregor than unexpectedly piled dry by Jamal Adams. I, I guess I disagree. I think body shots, all is fair in love and war. But once you go above the neck, now you're starting to get dangerous. And if Conor McGregor goes above the, the neck with Bernie, it's like Jamal Adams going helmet to helmet on Pat Patriot. I don't think I would have... I don't think I would have been okay if it was a helmet-to-helmet hit. Maybe that's our poll question. Which would you rather, get punched in the face by Conor McGregor or leveled by Jamal? That is a good poll question. (laughs) That is a good poll question. Could you imagine being the guy that plays Bernie and being like, oh, this stunt went too far. I've got to go to the ER. Yeah, I, I agree. But again, like you said, I've come around to your side on this. Man, when you lock in as a mascot, it's kind of like me on the DA show. You wake up every day knowing, what do I got to do today? You're a punching bag. Right. What do I got to do today? What for what? what what's the scheme that's going to happen today? Am I going to get slapped in the face with a kielbasa? Am I going to have to do this? Am I going to have to do that? So I get the mascot life. So, look, uh, this was a bad draw card for you, but it's the NBA Finals. You know, there's more, more of a magnifying glass on you now. I wonder if Bernie's team knew there was something wrong right from the jump because <laughs> Connor drops him and then stands over him and they kind of rush to Bernie and that's where he pops him in the nose while his head is still on the ground and that's when the guys are like, ooh, and they come over and you can't tell if they're just acting like this is the way those are supposed to be or if they're really scared. But when he gets the second punch in the nose while the back of his head is on the ground, it's it's a bit scary. It's stunning. And the way they have to drag the dead Bernie totally. off is is unreal in that time. <laughs> but also, who cleared this with heat legal? Conor McGregor's hands are legal weapons. Why, yeah. How is that cleared as an okay gimmick? Somebody got in trouble for that behind the scenes, there's no doubt. And is this supposed to rile up the heat crowd to be excited when their own mascot gets the tar beat out of them? See, well, that's the thing. Do you actually like your own mascot, or is it kind of like the level of, here comes this guy again? I feel like your mascot is supposed to be something that you're allowed to not like and root against in times of crisis. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. There is some 
famous photos, maybe some infamous photos that circulate around the internet that I absolutely love from the 86 World Series when at Shea Stadium, there's Strawberry Gooden and Mike Tyson joshing around. And Tyson has an old school Mets jersey, or I should say uh, satin starter jacket on at the time. And they're kind of like pretending pantomiming to take punches. You can Google this. It's a really cool series of photos. If during game six of the World Series that year, they brought out during the seventh inning stretch Mike Tyson to smash in the face Mr. Met, and he crushes Mr. Met, and they got to drag Mr. Met's dead, lifeless body off of the field. <laughs> if I was at Shea, I don't think I'd be going crazy. Like, yeah, we're going to win game six. I'd be like, what happened to Mr. Met? Did we kill him? Oh, no. You're probably so, right. So the fact that Bernie, oh, look at how good Cap is right now. He already got the shot ready to go. He didn't even know that I was doing that for this. If I saw Bernie as a Heat fan have to be dragged <laughs> off of the floor at halftime of the NBA Finals because Conor McGregor got in two kill shots, I would not feel good about our chances. <laughs> <laughs> you probably, I think you've swung me. You're probably right. This is just banned by the Heat. Who PR'd this? Who designed this? And the fact that Spolster actually had to answer a question about it during the NBA Finals <laughs> is another problem. Do you think the Nuggets finish it off tonight? I do. I, I do. First of all, this thin air, me and Bogus debated this before you came back, DA. Do the Heat and the Nuggets both have to get readjusted to the thin air, or are the Nuggets always used to it now, so it becomes a big deal? Because it was a big deal in game one for the Heat. Yeah, no. It's just the Nuggets don't have to adjust because the Nuggets live and train there. So they adjust either quickly or immediately. Yeah, I think that's going to matter. not then. ready for it. That'll matter then. I think the Heat will take a little bit to get their legs on them, and they're not going to be good enough to punch back if it's an early first quarter lead here for the Nuggets. The line is huge. It's Nuggets by nine. I might sprinkle the Heat plus the points, but I think the Nuggets do clinch tonight. Yeah, and I think you get an epic Jamal Murray game tonight. It won't be an Aaron Gordon game. This could be like Jamal Murray goes for 35 and closes it out tonight, hot shooting. By the way, cheapest ticket to get in the building to watch – the Denver Nuggets' first ever championship potentially is seven hundred and fifty bucks. Nosebleeds to get in the building. Wow. Seven hundred and fifty. I guess that's relatively inexpensive if you want to watch a championship, right? I'm, I mean, it's it's a bad seat for seven fifty, but you get to see a championship yeah. potentially. And there's no doubt. And somebody will probably be there tonight. You know, this is really bad for. Russell Wilson, D.A., because now you're going to have a city that taste parades in back-to-back -back springs with the yeah. Avalanche and Nuggets, and they bring in him, his doofy ass, and they're spending 750 bucks to watch the Nuggets win. He's going to have a lot of pressure on him this year. The Broncos' championship feels so long ago, but it's really not. How about yeah. the city of Denver having a Super Bowl parade in 2016? They won in February 2016. That's the 2015 season, but they won. they'll have one in February 2016. They had one in June of 2022 for the Avs and could have one in June of yep. 2023. That's three championships, three different sports on the last seven years. Well, yeah, I, I consider anything, and we're doing Decade of DA this whole year, I consider anything in the CBS Sports Radio era recently because that's within you know basically a decade, 11 years. So if we will have now on this show covered three separate City of Denver championships. How I mean, that, wild that's insane. is that? That's insane when you think about that town. And now Dion's at Colorado? Yeah. And we don't have a stream without Colorado, thanks to Cap. That's right. That's right. Big Colorado uh, house here.
And we don't have Ark Manning without another Colorado that's grad right. as well. That's See, that's absolutely right. Things have changed. We're a Rocky Mountain team. <laughs> We're a Rocky Mountain show. Yeah, we don't have Marie without Denver. We don't have Marie in Denver without Denver, but let me tell you, Marie in Denver. Yeah. That's maybe the only Bernie-esque black eye to the Bob's Bar show. It does not appear that she is going to make it. We'll unveil the reason why coming up here later on in the show. I'll tease that ahead. But <laughs> we were hoping that, that Marie in Denver would be present to oil boil, and it does not look like she'll be able to make the trip now. Yeah, she got Tyler heroed. Yeah, she got <laughs> she got shut down by the doctors. She did not get punched by Conor McGregor, which is no, good. thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. When we come back on the show, bleary eyed at four a.m. and searching for any movie on a streaming platform. It's Fatherhood at the Movies next segment two. Da CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Rule tape. Wait a minute. Why do you want that beer so bad? Because he's thirsty, dummy. Too many troublemakers here. Too many, uh... 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. Now answer my question. Were you rushing or were you dragging? Answer! Rushing. From the minds that brought you mothership at the movies, he's bleary-eyed, he's mixing formula, and he's sifting through the Roku channel at 4 a.m. Now's the time. We present Fatherhood at the Movies. Okay, you look so like a dad I've who been... lost his kid at Coachella. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. I've been stuck watching movies overnight, although we have had some good breakthroughs. AJ is starting to sleep on his own in the bassinet. This was huge. Oh. Yeah. This was a big one. Last night... I had him for a couple of hours in the Mama Roo, which is like a rocking chair. Mm -hmm. He slept there for a couple of hours. Then I fed him and put him down to the bassinet. We got a full hour out of him in the bassinet. So we're, we're making some big moves here, okay. which is the breakthrough we really needed going into 
the fourth full week. He'll be three weeks old tomorrow. This is what we were looking for as maybe the, the schedule starts to open up a little bit. We were pummeled early. We're chasing 500 right now, but it looks like there might be a soft spot in the schedule where we could take advantage. Bryce Young. We have done <laughs> we have done the, the worst four of the fatherhood, fatherhood of the movies. Ideal Home with Paul Rudd was the worst movie I saw. <laughs> then 65, which was 65 million years ago with Adam Driver was a disaster. I was unfortunately unplussed by Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> that bothered me that I didn't like it. That was number 12. And number 11 was the Laurel and Hardy biopic, Stan and Ollie, which was set back in the 30s and 40s. Number 10, Elvis. The life of American music icon Elvis Presley from his childhood to becoming a rock and movie star in the 1950s with his complex relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. The good in this is Tom Hanks, and that's what really drew me in. It's a period piece as well. I'm always in for period pieces. When I saw the trailer on this a couple of years ago when it debuted, it debuted, I guess, it premiered in 2022, so it's a little over a year old. I saw it and thought, oh, that could be very cool. And Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker was outstanding, and I really didn't know the depths of that relationship where Tom Parker really took him for all he was worth. But there was also kind of a symbiotic relationship where even though Colonel Tom Parker was manipulating and exploiting Elvis financially, and then at the end when Elvis wasn't in good health, etc., Elvis still didn't begrudge him. He didn't resent him. At the end, which they didn't show, Colonel Tom Parker has to get charged after Elvis's death with misappropriation of money and embezzlement, so it got really ugly. But I didn't really know that, so I liked learning about a new layer to an American icon, and I love Tom Hanks. He's, he's never, everything that he does is terrific. That, unfortunately, was the end of the good for me when it came to this. That's the only Booskies here. I thought this was plotting... I thought that they start when he's really young and then kind of coming up and then fast forward through like basically the entire decade of the late 50s and 60s until we get to his Vegas years. So there's a huge gap in the story. And also what really didn't do it for me is that the movie's long and feels long because of Austin Butler, who plays Elvis. I just thought that he was no good. I think they casted him because he kind of looked like a young Elvis, but he had no third dimension. It was a two-dimensional type of performance. It was like he just, there was no depth to Elvis. And I just thought Austin Butler sucked. It, he was the quarterback of a team with championship aspirations, and they built a championship team around him. And he just, he was flat. He was Russell Wilson. I just didn't like Austin Butler at all. He really bothered me by the end. And then what really, really set me off is you ask the audience to spend more than two hours investing in this story. I think it was like two and a half hours or something. And by the end, what you really want, at least the payoff that I want, is Fat Elvis. Because by the end, this is the story of Elvis. He goes from crooning, wonderful, handsome, American icon to kind of sad punchline in Vegas and he's overweight. He's eating the banana and pickle sandwiches and having a heart attack on the can. Like that's the way this ends. <laughs> and he gets overweight and he's playing Vegas 
and he's looking all cheese and whatnot, and they never put a fat suit on him. Austin Butler is the same weight as Elvis as he was when he's young as when he's on the verge of dying. And I'm like, you got to get the fat suit on this. That's the only way this is believable because he's not, he's not really ugly. He's not really aged. He's got to be fat. <laughs> so the fact, Murad, that they, they failed to put the fat suit on him, and this is from director Boz Lerman, who has a lot of, of big projects in, on his repertoire, I thought was woefully <laughs> inadequate for the story. I gave Elvis two and a half oinks. <laughs> two and a half uh, oinks. Uh, I, DA, for the record, I liked the movie better than you. I actually liked the guy that played Elvis, and I didn't like Tom Hanks in this movie, which is so funny. Really? I, we, we end up at the same spot. Too long. Don't like the non-fat. Uh, the death all of a sudden he's in an airplane next thing you know he's in Indianapolis and he's dead like they rushed the ending after going so long yeah but I thought that Tom Hanks again that was the main draw I'm, look if Colonel Tom Parker actually sounded like that fine it just it almost felt like it was the first time I saw a Tom Hanks movie where he was trying too hard to perfect the role where it just came across as non-believable where the Elvis character absolutely it felt like I was watching the best Elvis impersonator I've ever seen really yes wow. Running time, two hours, 39 minutes. Woo! Number nine, King of Staten Island. This is the Pete Davidson movie. Have you seen this? Uh, yes. Yes. This came out during pandemic. I never watch it during pandemic. I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with Pete Davidson. I do think there's some things that he's funny, and I think there were some ske sketches, skits on SNL some weekend updates that he was really good with. Then other stuff, I find him completely unlikable. King of Staten Island, he plays Scott, and it's been a case of arrested development since his firefighter dad died, which is a bit of an autobiography because, as we know, his father was killed in 9-11. Pete Davidson's dad was a New York firefighter. Scott spends his days smoking weed and dreaming of being a tattoo artist until events force him to grapple with his grief and take his first steps towards a new life. The good here, Marissa Tomei. I mean, I don't know why Marissa Tomei isn't in more movies. She is phenomenal in everything that I've ever seen. And whether it's, I mean, a movie from the 90s, like My Cousin Vinny, or this movie, she just always crushes it. And I feel like Marissa Tomei is wildly underappreciated with her movie career. She's fantastic. Number two, I thought by the end of it, the message was a good one. He's kind of adopted by the firehouse that remembers his dad. He was kind of too young to remember much of his dad. The message is good that, like, even your heroes have flaws, and especially if they're family, there's no reason to erase those flaws. He appreciated hearing about how his dad was apparently a bit of a coke fiend. He appreciated hearing that his dad wasn't perfect, because all he had heard growing up was how his dad was put on a pedestal. So there was a good message there where reality is sometimes more healthy than putting somebody on a pedestal. And by the end, he's adopted kind of by this, this fraternity of a firehouse. I thought that it portrayed the life at a firehouse well. I've got a few friends whose dads are firefighters. 
fact, one of my close friends had a dad who passed away in 9-11. So I appreciated seeing that part of things where it doesn't, we don't usually kind of get that intimate. It's not just this heroic, we go out and fight fires. It was more of there is a fraternity that is built, built through kind of like some late nights with beers, some meals, some kind of egging on one another, busting chops, what have you. So I, I did like that, and I thought it took a turn for the better about midway through. What I didn't like, though, from this movie is that I find Pete Davidson, at least in this film, almost completely unlikable. I don't know if you're supposed to kind of find him funny when he's the smoke, the, the weed-smoking guy. I don't know if that whole bit of he's a deadbeat and he just is kind of like a class clown and he's got no motivation and he's just... He's tattooing a nine-year-old in the park as kind of a gag, that he's a bad tattoo artist, that he has an idea of a tattoo artist restaurant. I don't know if this is supposed to make him more uh, accessible or humanized, but I just found him so unlikable. And it came back to there's sometimes I'm okay with Davidson and there's other times where I just find him impossible to stomach. And most of this film was impossible to stomach for me. So while the cast was good, I thought his friends also were unlikable. I didn't think they were very good. I gave this 2.75 oinks simply because it took a good turn at the end, but I thought for a Judd Apatow film, pretty underwhelming. 2.75 oinks. What'd you think? Uh, this movie turned me on. I hated Pete Davidson before I saw this movie. Now I really like Pete Davidson, but I'm with wow. you for the most part. This turns you into liking him. It, it's amazing. I don't remember an actor or a comedian or anything like ever happening like this before, but I'm with you. He, he was super annoying early, but I almost felt like because it was a biopic or a biopic, whatever you want to call it, uh, it made me feel like I watched Pete Davidson grow as a person in the movie, and therefore I respect him way more now than I did before. Well, you know what I had a problem with, and I maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's beyond his control. I feel like I know too much about his personal life. So, ah. of course, I have much empathy. He lost his dad in 9-11. Okay, so here's a movie kind of like processing that. We know so much about who he dates. We've learned so much about the Kim Kardashian stuff. Now he's in this bupkis, right? Is his new TV series, which is also kind of autobiographical. Yeah. Autobiographical. It's At like some point, everything yeah. he does is supposed to be. How many times did he joke about in his stand-up act the Kim Kardashian stuff, his dad stuff? It's like everything that he mines for entertainment is about his own life. Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm over. I'm oh, I'm done with knowing so much about who he is and his story. That's true. I haven't seen much of it since, but I'm with you. I also did not know about his dad until I watched this movie, so maybe that made it better for me. Okay. The final movie we'll do here in the top ten is number eight, Hall Pass. Now, this is not a new movie. This is about 15 years old. I think it was two, oh, oh, no, about 10 years old. You had never seen Hall Pass until you I had I had AJ? never seen Hall Pass. How okay. are you surprised by this? He, hasn't, he didn't see Breaking Bad until two Wednesdays ago. Uh, I guess that's true. I had never seen Hall Pass, and this is one of the ones. This was a chunk of movies here where I said the guys are going to be proud of me because I watched new movies like Elvis, a relatively new movie that at least had a lot of like widespread notoriety in, in King of Staten Island, and then a Hall Pass where you guys would be, again, 
annoyed at that I never saw it and that I'm checking <laughs> off the list of seeing it. So okay. I thought, okay, I'm I'm killing two birds with one stone here. I haven't seen it, and the guys will be proud of me that I'm finally seeing this. Owen Wilson, who I love, Jason Sudeikis, who we all love, play Rick and Fred, two husbands who are having difficulty in their marriages, are given a hall pass by their wives for one week. They can do whatever they want. Okay, so the good here is... Again, the cast. Owen Wilson, I just love. Jason Sudeikis, it's a little early in Sudeikis's maturation to who he is now. He's so much more confident. He's so much more of the polished Sudeikis than 2011, 12 years ago. His hair's a little flat. He's not quite as vivacious. It's a little bit like a subdued version of Sudeikis when you watch it now. I think if you watch it then and you just think back, maybe you think it's like Sudeikis has always been a polished product. But it's, it's a little bit of an early version of Sudeikis. It's good, but it's not as great as I wanted it. I thought the women in this, particularly Christina Applegate, is outstanding. Yeah. And Owen Wilson, outstanding. But they're not the couple, the main couple. It's Jenna Fisher, who is Owen Wilson's wife. And I thought that Jenna Fisher was okay, but it was like two stars playing on different teams. If they were on the same team, a little bit better. Because the secondary couple is Applegate and Sudeikis. The other part is this is a Farrelly Brothers movie. And the Farrelly Brothers have kind of a gross-out aspect to them. With a lot of big scenes and big laughs. Think about um, something about Mary. There's some big iconic scenes. There isn't really a big iconic scene in this. There's a few scenes that are kind of chuckly. There's not a big like ha-ha. And I was waiting for that and I never oh. got it. It was a good movie. I didn't think it was a great movie. I thought that the the scene where they're going through the house of one yes. of their rich friends and seeing what the rich friends are kind of bragging about, I'm like, is that a thing? I've never experienced that where friends invite you over for like an open house and they say, look at our new man cave. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. We just bought this. It, I could... I don't know. I couldn't relate to that. That's one of the big scenes where they're caught on camera saying all this stuff and everybody's offended by it. So I thought it was good, but it it, it lacked a certain something for me because I expected more and I loved the cast. So Hall Pass for me got a three out of five oinks. Not a lot of big laughs for me, but it sounds like you guys love this movie. It's one of my 75 greatest movies of all time. <laughs> For sure, I loved it. One of seventy-four, and the, uh, I mean, I have—I don't know where it falls exactly, but it's definitely one of my seventy-five. And for me, <laughs> iconic is the scene at Applebee's uh, with JB Smooth when he says, "You know, let's go to Chili's," and then the idea of uh, what's his face, the Porky guy, when he says, "I'm going to need a bath afterwards." I mean, that to me. So you is, could relate to that. Uh, it's one of the all-time great movie scenes ever. I mean, that's that's the squirrel jumping out of the tree in Christmas Vacation. I understand why Owen Wilson can't be necessarily like a clown in this because he's got to play. And there's there's certainly a, relate, a relatability where you're in a marriage for a certain amount of time and you think that everything is better on the outside. Then, you know, here's the lesson that you come cir full circle with that actually all you really need is at home. And so, you know, I can appreciate that as well. But I guess I didn't need the like feel good life lesson at the end of something from a Farrelly Brothers film. Hmm. And that the the character I actually liked best was Coakley, 
who's the old yeah. guy yeah. who wears the crazy hat and he's like the club goer. Yeah, he's because the dad all, and stepbrothers, right? Yeah, we all yes, right, the dad and stepbrothers. We all know the guy that's too old for the clubs that can't give it up, and right. that he's kind of a veteran of the process. And that I really like that character because that character hasn't really been explored in a lot of movies. But I needed more of that, like the irreverent. We're not really here to learn a lesson about how you should just be happy in your marriage. We're here to really have a lot of, like, gross-out fun. And I didn't get that. That's what I was expecting from a Farrelly Brothers film with Owen Wilson and Jason Sudeikis. What'd you think, folks? <laughs> well, if I had a top 75 movie list, this yeah. would not be on it. Okay. Uh, it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. You don't have to see it. Um, but it's funny. It's like a good... Saturday night, you get you sit down, you're flipping around, it's on, you yeah, should watch it. it moves easily. Right. Yeah, it's, yep. Now, if I was making lists, and I'll be a pig for a second, Nikki Whalen, who's the blonde in the movie, and Alex Daddario, who's been in White Lotus most recently, they meet, might, might be on my top 75 women of all time. So that's a plus oh, for this wow. movie. Okay. But yeah, it's like I, I probably get maybe three and a half winks. It's not an all-timer, though. I don't think it belongs on anybody's top 75 movie list. Yeah. Owen Wilson's been in five better movies, and Jason Sudeikis has been in five better movies than this one for them. So it's like a fine movie, but it's not one of their iconic movies. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I'm just proud that you finally saw it. Well, I'm telling you, you know, AJ has brought a lot of good things into my life. Obviously, <laughs> being a father is is a tremendously rewarding experience. I think it's... It's helped me and my wife just have a different type of bond when you go through something like this. It's a real war. You know, you, you've gone through something, and so it's made us incredibly connected. And my parents are over the moon. This is their first grandchild. And, and so AJ has brought a lot of joy. What he's also brought is a lot of opportunities for me to redeem myself. I know that I've been embarrassment on this show. I know that I have not pulled my weight in seeing modern pop culture. And so I have used this opportunity to learn about the things that I should be learned about. I'm more dialed into the Stanley Cup final than ever before. You know, once upon a time, I would ask you, you know, who is a Conor Verghehe? Now. <laughs> Carter Verhage. Now, <laughs> <Him too. laughs> now you know, I'm giving you breakdowns of the power play and the special teams, um, right? And so AJ has helped me be a better sports talk host and pop culture connoisseur. I'm no longer an embarrassment to the just, degree that I was. I just can't wait to see where Billy Madison ends up on this list. I'm very excited. I'm telling you, from the next, let's see, now we're up to number seven. So I'll do two. Two more segments here this week. I mean, hold on. Before you run any farther, I've got a message from AJ. He'd like his dad to turn the TV off so he can sleep. You've watched 17 movies in 11 days. Give the kid a break. Put some music. Put, I, put some music on. At least mute the TV. Let, let the kid, He can't sleep. I wonder why. I'm watching my third family. No, Brothers that's movie. not true. Well, he can sleep, but he has been in our arms. So that's the issue that if you're going to yeah. hold him for him to sleep, what do you do? You can scroll your phone for only so long, folks. At 3 in the morning, you need something to keep you up. And I will say, out of respect to AJ, I've put the volume on either 2 or 3. Okay, it's been very, very low, and I've put closed captioning on in oh, case I miss anything. Come on, there's I no way anything. you can enjoy a movie and give a proper rating like that. Well, I mean, look. <laughs> Kids can it's barely hear their first two months. It's extenuating circumstances. I have wanted to make sure he stays sleeping, and I will agree. Maybe I haven't caught every clever phrase, every intonation of an actor, 
but I've tried to, to thread the needle here by watching films, but making sure I'm not disturbing the little one. You got to get Drew Brees' kids' headphones. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Bogues has headlines. And they're sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. And NBA teams are 35-1 with a 3-1 lead in the finals. So Michael Malone's nuggets are sitting pretty, but that's exactly the problem. My biggest concern going into any closeout game is human nature. And fighting against that, you know, you're up 3-1. And, you know, there, there's, it's a, most teams, when you're up 3-1, they come up for air, they relax, and they, they just kind of take it for granted that, oh, we're, we're going to win this. The Nuggets can win their first title tonight at home in Game 5. Once again, tip-off is shortly after 8.30 Eastern. The Colorado Rockies hit two ninth-inning home runs 85 minutes apart yesterday against the Padres. Long rain delay that's going to end right here. Oh, my! Nolan Jones crushes it! A walk-off winner! Touch him all! That's Jack Corrigan on Rockies Radio. Ryan McMahon tied the game with a solo shot in a downpour that triggered a one-hour, 25-minute rain delay. And right as it ended, Nathan Jones did that for the 5-4 win over San Diego. And Phoenix Mercury head coach Vanessa Nygaard said yesterday they'll make unspecified adjustments to their travel plans after Brittany Griner was harassed by a social media personality at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport on Saturday. Since- what a loser. Could you imagine hunting down somebody at an airport to heckle them? Uh, and there's been some confusion in the aftermath of this between what the Mercury are allowed to do and not. We've had a long multi-year conversation about the WNBA using charter flights and the league says they approve charters for the team and Griner, but obviously they were flying commercial on Saturday. So I mean, that's one of the things they'll figure out moving forward uh, to avoid any situations like this. DA, back to you. Thank you, Bogues. When we come back, how does it make you feel to know that Joe Montana turned 67? DA, CBS Sports Radio. Happy Being Alive Day. The Ow. DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> Glad you're with us. DA with you here on CBS Sports Radio. Watch us at watchda.com. That's mobile friendly. You can also watch us on Twitch and on YouTube. In fact, on YouTube, the show is archived there for you to check out anything that you may have missed. Want to watch again? Full episodes are available on YouTube. Just go to the CBS Sports Radio channel. Over the weekend, Joe Montana turns 67 years old. He turned 67 over the weekend. Prior to Tom Brady, he was considered the greatest quarterback of all time. I am a huge Joe Montana fan. In fact, when Brady passed him, I was I was bummed, not only because the Patriots I'm annoyed by, but just because Joe Montana you know, to me was so brilliant and he carried himself with such a certain dignity that I loved that he was the GOAT. But undeniably, now you got to put Brady up there. You know, Montana didn't do anything for social media attention, didn't want a, a TV show on Facebook to watch him making out with his kids. He wasn't a guy that, you know, had to be at, or all the festivals that Brady used to go to and wear kooky haircuts and go to the Met Gala and everything. Like, 
I don't know. Brady's been such an attention-hogging guy, and Montana was always so not about that that I appreciated that about him. But undeniably, Brady surpassed him in terms of greatness. But I'm sure this made you feel old, Mraz, learning that Joe Montana was 67 years old. Yeah. I mean, 67 is the, you know, you're three years away from 70. I mean, that's how I, I start watching footballs at the end of Joe Montana. He becomes a Chiefs quarterback. And it almost made me for a second resent Tom Brady that Tom Brady played so long. It made me kind of not appreciate that Joe Montana post-retirement had gotten this old in a weird way. I know that sounds kind of messed up in a, in a long-formed answer. Yeah, I could do hours on this. I mean, Montana... Montana plays at an era where you can beat the living crap out of him, which is what yeah. Leonard Marshall and Jim Bird and many others did, essentially ending Montana's career 10 years before Brady would re retire. Essentially, by the time that Montana's like 34 years old, his career is done. If he had an extra 10 years with these rules and this medical support, who knows what Montana could have accomplished. But yeah, when Montana somebody from your childhood or whatnot, a hero turned 67, you're like, whoa, where did the time go? But I will say that's less jarring than some other guys because Montana felt old even when he was playing. He wasn't a huh. spry, young, 35 years old. He was kind of ginger and delicate and whatnot from those injuries, and he was never a big, hulking guy. The guy that is getting older that really messes with my mind is Lawrence Taylor. Because he's from the same era, and he's 64. And when you think of LT being this kind of like monster on the football field, and now thinking he's a year away from when Americans mostly retire, that's worrisome. Like, how yeah. old is Bob the Deli Man? Uh, he was born in 1960, so whatever that is. 63? 63. He's going to be 63. Yes. Right, so LT's a year younger than Bob. No, you're older. older than Bob, right? Yeah. So, you know, you start doing the math. You're like, wow, wow. he's already 64 years old. LT <sighs> feels like he should forever be 35. Not for nothing. LT looks a lot better than my dad for his <laughs> <laughs> And that should not be, knowing the history of LT. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess that's, that's the other thing is that LT doesn't look 64 years old. So you blink, you're like, whoa, guy's 64? <laughs> But there's another Hall of Famer that really breaks my brain when I see how old he is. I'm going to give that to you coming up next. And the Dame Lillard Miami Heat report from over the weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.